Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Man, we're so grateful that you guys are here. Uh, you should be like jazzed up, right? Like it's later service. You've slept in. Maybe you got some coffee and the Broncos have already won today. Come on. Yeah, I think that's what, two all year or something. They need to be playing at 7.30 in London every week because uh, apparently that helped us for some reason. So uh, pretty sure people last service had their phone out and was like, amen. And I'm like, y'all aren't even listening. You're watching the game. Uh, so we're grateful to have you guys here. Our hope and prayer. Uh, by the way, if you were uh, recording that, my bad. I just let the cat out of the bag. Uh, our prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. We're right now in a, a series called For the Church, For the City, uh, where we've, uh, man, we've done a lot of things as a church. We've asked you to, to pray along with us, to fast. We've done devotionals and all kinds of things, and lots of meetings, and you guys have just shown up. And I'm so humbled and so thankful uh, for how you've chosen to engage this series uh, today I'm going to give a little bit of information. If you've been here before, then it's kind of repeat. Uh, if you haven't been, if it's your first time, uh, again, my, my prayer is that this would be your home. Uh, that's first and foremost. And then if it is, then maybe step into this with us in, in some form or fashion. Basically what we're doing is we're launching out into a two-year giving initiative where we're asking the church over the next two years to give above and beyond uh, their normal tithes and offerings. And what we're doing is we're trying to build a building. Uh, for the last eight years, we've been portable. We've met in nine different locations. Um, and so we want our own home, a place where we can uh, reach out to our community in even greater ways and uh, hopefully see more people come to faith and just, you know, watch God do even greater things in our community. And the goal, the only way we get there is by raising $4 million, which is a lot of money. Um, and I've just been like praying, like, God, please move mountains on our behalf. Like, please do something that only you can do, God. And uh, and so we've just been praying for that. We know that $4 is not going to build us a building unless we're like building like a tiny home, you know, or something like that. Um, and so, but what $4 million does is it allows us to put a shovel into the ground. We've already got great financing lined up, and uh, we're, we're under contract for the land. Um, but the only way we actually start the process is by raising these funds. And, um, and here's the reality. If we don't, uh, then the opportunity could go away from us. Um, which is a, a very real possibility. And so this is like our moment as a church to step forward and go, okay, okay, okay God, like we need you to, to show up in a powerful, powerful way. With a number like four million, it's gonna take all of us. Uh, it's gonna take all of us uh, sacrificing. And that's really our ultimate goal is that everyone would participate in some way. Uh, in fact, before last service, I had uh, a little guy come up to me, I don't know, seven or eight years old and uh, gave me a, a, a $20 bill and his commitment card. Uh, and his commitment card had $8 a month for the next two years. And I was like, man, you're going to make me cry before I even get up on stage, you know? Like, I'm like, come on. Like, that's, that's what it means, like, for everybody to say, this is my church. Like, I want to be a part of this. I want to do something and, and be a part of what God's doing. And uh, so what we've done is we've created kind of a chart of, uh, of gifts of, okay, if we raise these things, these different levels, then we'll make it to this, this $4 million. And we've said this so many times over the course of our, our church. It's not about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And we know that this is a discipleship process. So not everybody's in the same place. You might not be in the same place spiritually, the same place financially. So we never ask for equal giving. We ask for equal sacrifice. Which means that like whatever I give, whether it's above yours or below yours, that we're sacrificing the same together. If we do that, we believe that we'll, we'll reach the goal. Uh, last night, we invited the whole church. Um, and last night, a bunch of people showed up to Advance Commitment Night. And, and it was just so humbling. It's just to see people going, hey, we're, we're stepping out. 
Um, we, we don't know how we're going to get there. We don't, but this is our faith number. Uh, this is what we're going to do. And uh, we've given everybody a commitment card. Uh, that's on your seat. And we've asked, hey, don't fill this out yet. Just take it and pray about it. Uh, ask God, hey, what do you want us to do? And uh, we know whatever the commitment is, that there's probably a few ways to get there. Uh, on, the, on the commitment card, there's some, some ideas of how you can plan for this. Uh, you might give gifts out of stored assets, which is like cash or, or maybe retirement or maybe stock or uh, selling a second home or something. I mean, all kinds of ideas and creativity that, that, that people are doing. Or maybe you got an inheritance or something like that. And, and so you want to be able to give out of that. But then there's also the monthly giving. And that's how we ultimately meet, meet the, uh, the goal uh, that we have. And our commitment Sunday is in two weekends. So November 13th. We're going to have a big party. There's going to be a coffee cart. There's going to be stuff for the kids, all kinds of things going on. Uh, and that's when we're saying, hey, let's come as a church and let's do what God calls us to do. Let's, uh, let's be encouraged and, and challenged to step out in faith. We've said this whole time, just pray. Pray, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, process as you do that and then plan uh, accordingly. If you've never given to the church before, maybe you're skeptical of giving to churches. And it's a great opportunity to join us because this is super tangible. Very practical. Like you know exactly what your money is going to. And if we raise the funds, we could be in a church building within 15 to 18 months. How awesome is that? Like we could actually have our own church building in 15 to 18 months that God can use to bless our town in an even greater way. And I just, church, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you've encouraged me. Thank you for allowing me to borrow some of your faith uh, at different times in this process. Um, and just for being incredible, uh, the, the prayers and the phone calls and people reaching out and asking how I'm doing and saying, man, we, we believe this is going to happen and God's stretching us and just all of that. Church, thank you for the way you're showing up week in and week out. You know, the entire reason we're doing this is to see lives change, to see more people build community, more people discover the purpose, more people grow in the relationship with Jesus. We want to see more lives change just like Josh and Morgan. Take a look at this. We're the Brubakers. I'm Morgan. I'm Josh. And we're from Southern California, and we moved to Colorado six years ago. When we moved here, we actually went through quite a challenging time. Um, Josh was experiencing a lot of anxiety and just challenges that he hadn't experienced before with all of the changes that were happening. I had a viral lung infection and sleep for multiple days, and then I had so much anxiety and kind of a mental breakdown. I, mean, I remember moving here praying, like, I'm so lonely, God, bring people in my life. I think we had gone to Front Range maybe one time, and he just reached out, I think, to Ernest, asking if anyone could get together with us and just pray with us about what we were going through. And the next Sunday, they had all the elders pray with us in between the services. Like, didn't even know who we were. When you're going through such a tough time in life, like a low of a low that you've never had before, and you reach out with humility, I just need prayer, I need, need help and encouragement. And for strangers to pray for you and be there with you, it, uh, just super comforting and kind of unreal. And now we have so many friends and so much community, um, and it's just a blessing to, to look back and see how God showed up. We're not supposed to do this life alone, and, and I think that's what we really learned the most about being at Front Range, is we're not the only ones going through something. This last December was pretty hard for us. Morgan's had not that bad COVID, but she had a really bad miscarriage, really, really bad, and we've been trying for over five years. 
and again seeing the church show up for us when she was on oxygen and for a month you know just trying to get back to life all these people from the church showed up our, our old small group all these people were sending us gift cards and, and food and I mean that's where we see God work through people we just knew like we need to run to the church and Front Range really showed up for us there. I think we just decided like, we're not gonna let Satan win yeah. and we're not gonna give up hope and we're not gonna let him use these things to stop us <clears throat> from what God has called us to. Yeah, we continually just don't give up. We have a little saying between ourselves that we can do hard things. Like we don't know why these bad seasons of life and these hardships of infertility and we don't know why this is happening, but we can do hard things and we're not giving up. Um, and we're just, our prayer now, and it has been for a while, is asking God to show up. It's definitely a very important priority to us to be at church, to be in community, to find relationships, and also to go out and disciple in other ways too. Breathe life into people. I think the older you get, it's easier to make excuses to not go to church or to be gone on Sundays or it's just easy in society to, oh, we don't need to go this weekend. And there can be a lot of life uh, given in the context of church and community, especially at Front Range. I mean, that's church to me. Father, we just come before you, and I thank you. I thank you for Josh and Morgan and their story, and God, how their story represents hundreds of other stories, Father, at this church, and we're just so grateful for what you've been doing, and God, as we step into this next season of our church, God, just show up. Just do miracles, God. Just, um, God, speak to us, grow us, stretch our faith, God, and help us to ultimately just draw closer to you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. I've been loving this time period that we've been studying. We've been looking at the Jewish people during what's called the Babylonian exile, uh, where God brought them away from the promised land and into uh, another nation, uh, into Babylon. And so many of you have reached out and said, man, this series has been strengthening your faith and encouraging you and challenging you, and it's mine as well. My prayer is that like, I would be the person that when I see challenges in our culture, I see challenges in the church as a whole, that I wouldn't become like everybody else in culture, that I wouldn't shrink back and be like, oh, everybody's evil and stay away from people, but I would be willing to step forward into darkness. That like knowing that Christ is the light of the world and because I have Christ, that as I step forward, the, that light uh, extinguishes the darkness before me, that I would do that. But the only way that we step forward and make the impact that we long to make is to have the unconditional love toward others, is to make a sacrificial investment, and then to live by faith. And we've been talking about this idea of how do you live by faith. And today we're going to look at a key essential to living by faith. I would say it this way, that you can't make the difference that you want to make. You can't be a light in the darkness. You can't make the impact that you want to make without this key ingredient in your life. Today we're going to see this truth that making a difference for God requires sacrifice. Making a difference for God requires 
sacrifice. We're going to continue looking at the story of the Jews during the Babylonian exile. King Nebuchadnezzar at this point has besieged Jerusalem. He started carrying off the treasures. Then he started carrying off some of the people. And the younger guys, he started to try to assimilate them into their culture. So he, he, he began to strip them of like what they knew and what they had been raised with and started teaching them worship of other gods and a new language and new culture and, and all of that. Before guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we're not going to violate our faith. We're not going to go against who God is and who we worship and, and all of that. And so they're trying to stand strong in the midst of this culture that is pressing in on their values. At this point, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this image of gold, this, this idol, and it's 90 feet tall, which is bigger than any building in Castle Rock. It's nine feet wide, and he puts it out on these planes so the people can see it for miles around. And he makes this decree. He says, every time you hear the music playing, you need to bow down and worship. You're worshiping me, and you're worshiping my gods. And so he makes this decree for everybody. He says, if you don't do this, we're going to throw you into a furnace, meaning you're going to die. Okay, so sometime later, these astrologers come to the king and they say, hey, uh, king, remember when you made that decree and you said if everybody doesn't bow down and worship you, that you would kill them? And he's like, oh, of course I remember that. He's like, well, we got three guys that aren't listening. These guys, they're, uh, they're Jewish guys. And uh, the problem is they're some of your leaders as well. And the, the Bible tells us that the king became enraged. Like he was furious. He said, bring them to me now. You imagine where these guys are at at this point. I mean, think about the decree. He doesn't say, if you're Jewish, it's okay, keep worshiping your own God. He doesn't say, if you're one of my leaders, like, no big deal. Uh, you can, you can kind of do what you, what you want to do. He says, everyone, say everyone. Everyone. When you hear the music, you will bow down and worship me. But these guys knew that the only way to make a difference, the only way to make the impact in this culture that was vastly different than what they were, they were used to, vastly different than their own values, and the only way to make a difference was to sacrifice to, to truly be willing to give up whatever it meant. And this is what every major religious leader has done throughout time. I mean, you look throughout scripture and you've got, you know, guys like Moses and King David and Deborah, who was the only woman to lead the Israelites. You've got Jesus and Paul and the disciples and every church father early on understood this principle that if you want to make a difference in the world, you have to be willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to give up something. I would say it this way, life and God demands a death to self. Life in God demands a death to self. You know, Jesus, when he says, hey, I want you to come follow me, he doesn't say come and see. He's not looking for spectators to change the world. Like, spectators won't change the world. He says, come and die. Meaning you've got to die to your own desires, your own wishes, your own will. You've got to give up that and come follow me. And if you do that, then you will change the world. Well, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood the only way to make a difference for God was to actually sacrifice. And so that's kind of where we pick up with a story. It's Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 14. It says, And Nebuchadnezzar, after he brings them, they bring them to him, he said this, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, Anybody know what a zephyr is? I have no clue what a zephyr is. If you do, come talk to me afterwards. A lyre, a harp, a pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So he says, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to play the music, 
And all I need you to do is bow down. Just bow down in that moment. And if you don't, you're going to die because what God is going to rescue you. Now let's put ourselves in these guys' position. I mean, it would have been real easy for them to go, guys, let's just bow down. Like the easiest thing right now is just, let's just bow down. Like God knows our heart. God knows that we're not worshiping him. We're not worshiping these idols. Just do that. Like uh, it's better for us to be alive. We can do more for God alive than we can dead. You know, plus there's other Israelites, there's other guys around us that they're bowing down. Like, it's totally fine. God will be okay with it. It would have been real easy for them to justify just choosing to bow down. But they don't. Take a look, verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. What? This is the king. He's the most powerful man on the planet at that point. With one word, they're dead. And they're like, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. We don't have to answer to you. Why? Because these guys understood this powerful truth about sacrifice. And that's this. Sacrifice for God is better than safety in the world. A sacrifice for God is better than safety in the world. They knew that sacrificing for God, that, that if they were going to make a difference, they would have to sacrifice. And that was going to cost them something. But it was better to sacrifice for God than to have safety and comfort in the world. Take a look, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Do you see those six words? Six powerful words. Words that, honestly, I don't like a whole lot. Like words that are really hard for me to pray, for me to say when I'm asking God to do something in my life. But even if he does not. Like, I know my God can rescue us. My God can take us out of this, this fiery furnace. My God can rescue us from your hand, king. But even if he does not, we're still going to sacrifice why? Because sacrificing for God is greater than comfort in the world. And most of us, we would say yes to that. Like intellectually, we would go, yeah, I agree with that. That like sacrificing for God, like doing something for God, making a big difference in the world and all of that is better than the comfort of the world. But I just believe we as humans, or maybe it's just me, that the older I get, the more responsibility I have, the harder this truth is to live out. Like when I first accepted Christ, Man, I was all about, I was all about doing like whatever for God. I was around 17 years old and I'm like, man, whatever, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And so I remember we were uh, gearing up to lead, me and this other guy were gearing up to lead a, a mission trip of high school students over to a country called Kyrgyzstan. And uh, in Kyrgyzstan, they, uh, they don't have the same beliefs and values as us. And uh, so we were there just to kind of do some, uh, some site visit, right, of work at this point. It was just him and I. And we went to this village one day. Uh, and it was a village that we thought, okay, we'll bring the team back here. And when we got to the village, we had to, like, cover up our crosses and make sure that we didn't have Bibles with us and stuff like that. And um, they told us that we met with this one family. This family was the only family in the village that were believers in Jesus. And they told us that their son had just been hung the day before for believing in Christ. I thought, man, this is a very vastly different world. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll come back this summer. Like, it makes sense, right? Like, I'm a youth pastor. It was a real smart decision to, you know, go, we'll bring a bunch of high school kids back to this, this village where they're wanting to kill Christians. And so we came back to Kyrgyzstan. We're doing this, this sports camp. And then we're, we're gearing up that weekend to go back to this village. And we get this note from the village elders. And they say, if you come here, we're going to kill you because you're Americans and because 
you're Christians. Now, the other guy I was leading the trip with, he was double my age. He was a lot wiser than I. Because for me, I'm like, let's do it. Like, I'm totally cool. You know, let's go. I wasn't married. Like, nothing. I had nothing in my name. You know, I'm like, I'll die. I want to die for Jesus. Like, how awesome would that be? You know, and I'm like, not even thinking about like the 15 year olds who are with me. You know, like, I was a great youth pastor. Uh, but this is the older guy. He's like, ah, let's hold off on this. Like, I was willing to do anything. I remember when Sarah and I first started dating and I'm like, hey, I just need you to know that like, I'm going to be a pastor. And, and, and my image of like, what a pastor was, like, I was just going to be dirt poor the rest of my life. And so I would tell her that. I'm like, hey, I just need you to know I'm going to be a pastor. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, that means we're going to be really poor. And she's like, like, what does that mean? And, and I would tell her this. I probably told her this, I don't know, seven to ten times. And she's back there in the back corner so you can ask her after service, although she's an introvert, so watch out. Um, and I would tell her, hey, what that means is there's a good chance that we'll be living in a cardboard box on the side of the road. Now, guys, if you're single, that's not a good pickup line. Like, that's not going to help you get somebody. But what I was doing is I'm like, this is what God's called me to do, and I'll do anything for God. And then I got married, and I had kids, and I have a house payment, et cetera, et cetera. And I still believe this truth, the sacrifice for God is better than, than safety in the world, and yet safety in the world feels very comforting. It's so much easier to pursue after that. So I think about like what God's calling us to do with for the church, for the city. I'm like, give how much? Like that's gonna set us back how much in retirement? And we might have to sell what? Like, God, I don't know. Like, I, I get it, the sacrifice and all that. And I, I know, like, intellectually, I know that sacrificing for you is better than safety in the world. But man, I really like safety in the world. But sacrifice requires me to put into action what I say I believe. Sacrifice requires me to put into action what I say I believe. The church that we came out of was a church called Seacoast. That's where I, I met Christ, and my life was radically transformed, and I was on staff there for 15 years before we came here to start Front Range. And at one point, we were doing a, um, a building campaign kind of like this, and the pastor said, hey, I just want you guys to pray, you know, kind of what I've talked about with you guys. And, um, and I heard a story about this single mom. She had two kids, and so they were praying about it. They are like, well, what do we do? You know, I really can't go get other jobs and stuff like that, so what do we do? So they just had a, a little family meeting. They said, "What we want to do something. What can we do? And so they decided that for the next six months, they're going to do everything by candlelight, like everything, like eat by candlelight, do homework by candlelight, like everything. And they thought, whatever money that we save from what our typical electric bill is to what our electric bill will be, that that's the money that we'll give away. And they knew it wasn't going to be like a ton. It wasn't going to be like a whole lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, but for them, it was a ton of money. It was a huge sacrifice. And I remember hearing that story, and I thought, they're crazy. Like, by candlelight, I mean, it, it, what if it gets too cold in that house? And it's Charleston, so it's probably going to get too hot in that house. You know, and like their, like their eyesight could be damaged. Like, you can't do your homework for six months by candlelight and your eyes not be impacted. I'm like, what are they doing? Now, here's the good news. I'm not asking you to live the next six months by candlelight. We'll have some very cold, angry people. But I'm just trying to teach this principle that sacrificing for God is better than safety in the world. Like, I'm drawn toward comfort and toward safety, especially the more stuff that I have and the more people who are relying on me. But God calls us to sacrifice. A final truth that we learn about sacrifice from the story is that sacrifice for God changes 
your legacy. It changes your legacy. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's furious. These guys say, we're not going to bow down. So he's like, all right, you're going in the furnace. So he tells them, get the furnace seven times hotter. Like this is going to be really, really hot. Like if fire wasn't already hot enough, we're going to make this even hotter. And so the guys, actually the soldiers that bound them up and threw them into the furnace, they actually died because it was so hot. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he sits down and like, I, I don't know, he's like a freak. He's like watching them burn or something. He like looks at it, he's like, hey, wasn't there only three guys that we threw in there? They're like, yeah. He's like, well, there's four now. Now, most scholars would say that was either an angel or it was Christ in there with them. And, and I love this part of the story because the same guys that he bound up and threw into the furnace, he's now like, hey, guys, will y'all come out of there for a minute? Like, I need to have a conversation with you. Like, what is happening here? And then we pick up verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. This dude is psycho. He's crazy. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So his decree changes from worship me and worship my gods to I want you to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And isn't that, like, isn't that the end result that we long for when we sacrifice for God? Like, shouldn't that be the result if we're sacrificing that people would go, hold on, tell me more about this. And it should lead people to worship of Jesus. It should lead people, our sacrifice should lead people to worship our God. And it changes their whole legacy. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story is one that people have been telling for thousands of years. Millions and millions of people have tried to emulate their faith. I've tried to say, but even if God doesn't, even if this is going to happen to us, even if I don't get what I'm praying for, I'm still going to trust my God. Their legacy forever changed. That's the legacy I want to leave. I, don't, I want to do something so great. I want to do something so great with my life that I'm not worried about comfort. I'm not worried about my retirement that I may not even see anyways. I'm not worried about being like everyone else and doing what everyone else says to do, but I'm focused and concerned about making an impact, about doing whatever I can that I leave a legacy. A few weeks ago, I sat down with a couple and they said, hey, we want to tell you what we're committing to, for the church, for the city. And so they ended up telling me their number and I was like, holy cow. Like, I, I know where this couple is and in their life, their stage of life, and all that. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to do that. And so as I was just like sitting there like in awe and just humbled, I'm like, man, thinking how are you guys going to make this possible? And I didn't ask them that. That's kind of a weird question. But they said, we want you to know that we've called our kids and we've told them, we're not going to leave you anything. We're giving it all to the church. I just started crying because I'm like, what? 
that's a, that's a different, that's a different legacy. Even as I was hearing it, I'm like, would I do that? Like, is that how I would respond? Like, I want to be like, no, don't do that, because your kids are going to be really angry with us. But I'm like, they're setting themselves up for a different legacy. And you even hearing the story, you probably are thinking, that sounds crazy. But it does sound crazy. But that's sacrifice. Where we don't look like the rest of the world. We don't act like the rest of the world. Where we're willing to do things that make a difference. That make an impact. And leave a legacy. And as you and I choose to do that, as we step into whatever God's calling us to do, not just before the church and for the city, but whatever he's calling you to do in your life. I was talking with a teacher after last service and just, she said, I just want to be a light in the midst of my classroom. I'm like, thank you. Because we need more of you. Whatever God's calling you to step into, you're going to have to sacrifice. A sacrifice for God is greater than comfort in the world. A sacrifice for God will leave a lasting legacy. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for these three guys that risked it all. And God, even as I was studying their story over the last few weeks, getting ready to have this conversation, Father, just the challenge of my own life. God, I'm talking about giving money and sacrificing some of the things that I want to do. Or some of the things that I have, these guys were willing to sacrifice their lives. Father, that's not lost on me. And I pray that you would help me to live with such faith that I'm willing to sacrifice anything you call me to sacrifice. Not because of me, not because of what I have, but ultimately because of the sacrifice you gave. And God, you love me so much that you gave your only son. That you gave it all. You sacrificed everything for me. For us. And Father, we can never outgive you. We can never out sacrifice for you. But God, as we receive your sacrifice, may we in turn be willing to live that way. And God, we know every single week, even last service, God, we have people who come in. If we're being real honest, we'd say, you know what, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not living for Christ. I have not received the sacrifice that God made for me. I've not received that offer of salvation, that offer of forgiveness of sins. I've not received that eternal peace that God promises us through Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you're like, man, I have received that before. I, I made that decision, but honestly... I've been doing it on my own. I've been living my own life. And it's just not working. Today God brought you here to say, just come home. Just come home. Receive what Jesus did on the cross for you. You still may have questions and doubts and all that's okay. But be willing to take a step of faith today because of the great sacrifice he made for you. If that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, you say today, and I want to accept what Jesus has done for me. I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to come home. I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen, amen. Amen. 
Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know their story. God, you know them by name. You know what they've been walking through. And I thank you for your great love that has died for us so that we could be made new, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, a life that doesn't start one day but starts today. Father, thank you for these individuals choosing to make that step of faith today. And for all of us, God, tell us what our next steps are, what we're to do with this whole conversation of sacrifice. God, it's so hard to do that in our culture. It's so much easier to live in comfort and in safety. May we live for you. Whatever you call us to do, in Jesus' name.